Hey, bookworms, this is Megan coming at you with another Cantina Conversation. Today's episode features a chat with Aurora Asher. We're talking about her book, Sanctuary of Joe. I really enjoy talking to Aurora about her book, about her experiences, and what draws her to um, paranormal romance as a genre, and geek out um, and ramble on about uh, my recent for dragons and all that good stuff. Um, so do, here is Aurora. So today we've got Aurora Asher. We're talking about her at least Sanctuary of the Shadow. That book is available on January 9th. Um, Aurora, thanks so much for joining me today. I thanks for having this, me. Yeah, I just finished this book a few days ago, so it's like really fresh. I feel like maybe like I'm, I'm still kind of marinating on it, you know. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed it. I loved meeting Harrow and uh, Wraith and um, the world building was really cool and getting to know just... Um, you know, this, yeah, like this little world you built and, and the characters in it. And I'm not mad about the spicy stuff. I enjoyed those parts too. Um, uh, but yeah, we'll get into it. So yeah. Um, thanks for, awesome. for joining me today. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, uh, before we get started, can you give like a, um, summary of, uh, the books, like, you know, spoiler free so that, um, people can follow along with the conversation. Sure. Uh, it's about, oh my God, thing to ask an author, <laughs> Basically, we're following a messy world. We're following a Harrow who lives in a circus. She's kind of hiding her true nature, her true abilities. Um, and then a mysterious man comes into her life. And uh, it's between the two of them, they have a connection. And between the two of them, it ends up bringing up a lot of questions about the past. And um, <laughs> it's a tale. I think it's a story of like redemption and forgiveness. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's I, I enjoy how um, even though it's set in this like paranormal fantasy world, it's like we still it's still like human, you know, very relevant. Like people can sympathize or empathize with the characters. Very real, like problems, like real world problems that anybody anybody who's like been in a relationship or had those very human feelings can totally relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, can you go into like your background a little bit? Um, just either your writing career or anything else that you've done that might have like led you, like what led you to tell uh, this story? Yeah. So, well, let's see this particular story. Um, my background would be, I'm actually more, was more of a musician. I always thought I would be a musician. I still am. Like I grew up playing piano. I was a really serious classical piano player as a kid. And then well, and some of the ideas for this book came while I was running across Canada. <laughs> and yeah, and I started writing about like seven years ago now. And I, yeah, I, it started after obsessive bow reading very heavily when I discovered the romance genre. <laughs> so I was hooked. Yeah, I think that's really common with um, a lot of authors. They're like, they always have a, they always have an idea doing. They have like a world doing or character just mm-hmm. kind of like hanging out in their brain, you know, and it could be like 10 years before they decide to like go for it. You know? <laughs> totally. Or like something really weird inspired, like this book, um, I don't know if you remember the like Harrow has the vision that she's like floating in the water and she's like deciding whether she should like dive into the water or like go back to the surface. So like that weirdly, I had the idea for that before any of the rest of the book. Um, Cause I was swimming in this lake in my hometown in BC and I like opened my eyes 
I just had this weird thought, like, I wonder if you could like capture this in a book somehow. Like, and I just like had that thought. (laughs) Like that's, that was it. That's really cool. You're just like, yeah, you're like underwater and you're like, you know, what would that mean? Like what? That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, like you never know when that inspiration's going to kind of just like, yeah. Like how is this a plot? Like, (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. That's so funny. So how, so you've got a few like books published. How did this uh, release compare to like your previous works? Did you, you know, did, did you approach it the same way? And was there any anything that like surprising lessons learned, things like that? Anything different? Well, my other series is um, indie published. So this is my first like trad pub book. And it, it was kind of funny because I actually wrote the first draft of this book before my indie published series that's already like out. And when I first started like thinking about publishing and I did all the research about like indie versus trad, I was like, "Mm, I think I would like to go the trad route because I love the idea of like working with the editors and, you know, having a team. And I started querying and then I was like, I wasn't really like feeling it. The vibes weren't quite right. And so I was like, you know what, whatever, I'm going to forget that. I'm going to indie publish it. And then I had like just made the decision to indie publish it when Molly, who's my editor with um, Entangled Red Tower Books, got back to me and was like, I really like this book. And I was like, are you kidding? Because it was the last letter I ever sent out. And I was really like, I was done. And so that started our whole relationship working on this book together, like stopping the process of like indie publishing it and deciding to publish my other series, which was, I love that that happened because like the version of the book that you're going to get now is so different than the original one. And like Molly, like really... Like, I just loved working with her and, like, just getting into everyone's heads and, like, really, like, cracking it open on a deeper level. It was really fun. Yeah, that's what editors are really good for. And it's, like, you mm-hmm. I guess you just kind of have to trust them, right? <laughs> if criticism, like, and that they're not, you know, going to make it worse, right? It's, it's <laughs> Yeah, it's that's hot, Yeah, like, it's hard to really, like, you know, welcome someone almost as, like, part of, you know, almost as, like, a collaborator. With, especially yeah. when you've never done it before it's it could be super like overwhelming or like you know the first time you get like yeah the first time you get a comment that's like i don't know what's going on here or like i'm not (laughs) feeling this or and you're just like what like (laughs) but like once you get used to it you're like no it's it's really good to have that second opinion and someone you trust like you said yeah absolutely and then so yeah because when you do indie the team's much smaller. At least that's what I, that's kind of like what I understand, or it's just mostly you, right? Like it's just like, there's not a whole lot of editors. There's not, there's not as many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. And like the way I work with Molly, even even if I hired an editor for my indie books, like it's like she she would just, we would just do like over and over and over again, keep going through the manuscript. Um, Whereas like for indie, a lot of people just hire an editor to go through it once. Maybe. So it's a really different for my indie books that are just like that are kind of like a team and they all go through it. But it's, it's yeah, yeah, for sure. That's after all this said and done. What are you are you leaning for that the other route, the non indie route? Then I don't know. I think I like being hybrid because it's it's yeah. kind of cool to do both. Like I like to write anything. If I'm ready to publish it, I just publish it and like. 
um, you build your little will kind of help push your stuff, but it's definitely on a much small scale. I loved every, everything about the experience, like release this book, Sanctuary of the Shadow. It's been and exciting. And then they're like, you know, oh, we have this. How do you like the cover art? Like, how do you like, how do you feel about this? Oh, like everything. Like, yeah, it's been I exciting. Did, so I did like the cover art. You know, like the circus, like, or, you know, traveling circus always kind of, it's like that fantastical element, no matter what. It's like, you kind of see it in the feelings of like fun and intrigue and and set in a imagine that could have been that was so much fun did you like with the cover art did you how much input did you have in that like did you kind of did you have a vision board or did you kind of just say here's what I was thinking and then them go for it how was that like for you it was literally like Brie Archer the artist who works for the publisher and she literally was like here's a like here's the idea like what do you think about it and it, it was like that like done and I was like <laughs> are you kidding me it looks amazing like and like I felt like she did such a good job of like there's little elements of the book in the cover that it's like undoubtedly like captures the kind of the vibe and the colors are so perfect and it was like yeah I don't even I feel like if I had planned and like done everything myself it wouldn't have come out that good so <laughs> I was like this is amazing <laughs> That's so fun. Yeah, I did like it. It's like I said, it's kind of just like what's I mean, the covers in general, like you have to it's going to give you like a little glimpse, a little preview. But I really I, I don't know. I just thought it was like something about the traveling circus. It's like it's it's fun. It's like, ooh, yeah, you know, what's what's going on here? How many it's like also that possibility of like, you know, what kind of characters are we going to meet? Who's what what kind of drama? Like what kind of, like what, what kind of stories are going to come out of this? Things like that. Super totally. Fun um there's so, a lot of possibility yeah yeah for sure so what so you yeah your previous works are like or all of your works are like you know paranormal fantasy paranormal romance right um yeah what what draws you to that genre because i feel like i don't know the whole paranormal romance i'm very new to it i feel like it's like maybe kind of a newer or maybe that's just me from what i've noticed like a newer subgenre and so, I don't know, I guess I just, and I, I like it, you know, it's like, as long as everything's there and everything's hitting, you can almost go anywhere um, with like fantasy and or romance and or paranormal. Um, it, like it's somehow it all fits. So kind of like what, what draws you to that, to that genre? Yeah, I guess like, I just love anything like fantastical and like unreal. And I've always been drawn to it, like in my art and it's, my reading choices and like I remember as a kid I was like a, a voracious reader and I only I always read fantasy books and I just loved um you know I was like the when I was a kid I specifically have memories of like reading stories about the evil terrible dragon and I'd be like but like he's just you know yeah. like this he's just misunderstood like he just needs <laughs> some love and so I guess I I just have always loved things like yeah, larger than life, like unbelievable, mystical, magic. Um, I guess I just feel like it adds like a little flavor. You know, it's like the everyday life is already, you know, we already know what's out there in our reality. So like, I love when you can read and it just like, it's something like beyond anything that you could see in daily life. Yeah. I love dragons too. I'm kind of like, yeah. I don't know. It's really funny because my husband, who was like so, he's been so obsessed with dragons for like years. And at first I was like, yeah, they're cool. Um, 
But I guess that was just like accepting it as like part of this big picture of like awesome things to like uh, like appreciate and. But then I would like ask, I would like ask him questions about drag, like, or I make comments like of watching, I don't know, like entertainment. And he's like, "Well, yeah, dragons are really smart, don't you know that?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> duh, everyone knows right, that. Like, things like that. I think just the more like literature, I'm, I'm like, like I don't know, I didn't read, um, like, what was it, the Lord of the Rings trilogy? I never watched it because I wanted to read the books first because I'm a dork and then it, those books are so dense it took me a long time. Yeah, it's like good luck. <laughs> good luck with that. Yeah, it took me a long time to read them and even so like my yeah. my parents they gave me a, a copy of the trilogy like when I was, I don't even know, maybe I was like 14 and, and I, I guess it's supposed to be written for like younger audiences but I was like I don't know what Tolkien was thinking or like maybe his kids were geniuses because I'm like reading this and I'm like, Oh God, this is a lot. Like it's a lot. To it's a lot. And yeah. And so I didn't. And then, so every time like any of the movies were on TV, my husband was like, Oh, you're so lame. You haven't, or like any other jokes, like inside jokes or like memes. He's like, see, you don't get that. Cause you haven't read it yet. <laughs> you don't get it. And so I finally did, but I did read the Hobbit and I felt like that was, you know, more digestible. Um, more yeah. And I remember watching like um, Smog, you know, like the whole that whole trilogy when it came out, and um, it was just really funny. Like then we then we kind of got into it, and I was like, okay, now that I understand this a little bit better, like what? <laughs> you have seen the movies now, though, right? Yes. Uh, I have. Okay, good. Because yeah. yeah, those are like, iconic, iconic movies. Yeah, no, they were, and I knew they were, but I was like, well, I haven't read the books yet. I don't. <laughs> that's like the one instance it's like they're the books are so hard to get through that you need the movies to like help you kind of like yeah i read them as a kid and i want i read them like when the movies came out i watched the movies and was obsessed with them as a kid and like read the books because of that and like i read the books like three times like looking back and like how the hell did i do that like now i'm like (laughs) Like you try to read like the Battle of Helm's Deep or something, and you're just like, oh my god! Yeah. It's like he made it boring. How do you make this boring? I, like- I know. I was like, even so, when I did watch the movies, I was like, oh, like this is so much more fascinating. Yeah, than- this is actually. Oh, no. I'm yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm like, no wonder this was such like a, a yeah, like a iconic set of uh or at least period of time when they all were coming out and the anticipation mm-hmm. around it all the hype around it like no wonder like i understand but yeah i remember like reading the books and i was like oh yikes like <laughs> there are a lot this, isn't this supposed to be like you know fucking amazing like like you know epic like i wasn't it was yeah i don't but somehow the movie makers they they worked their magic and they made it yeah you know, uh you know fantastic <laughs> but yeah i know i'm all and plus with like you know, the Game of Thrones and the, you know, the spinoff series and then the, the Rebecca Yar- Yaros's recent releases that are have mm-hmm. blown up. I actually, like, interviewed her for Fourth Wing and then I didn't realize, like, yeah, I realized she had books, but then, like, I feel like Fourth Wing just, like, blew her up and I'm like, oh, man, like, and I got, I got to talk to her, you know, like. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and ever since then, and then I got, because of my husband, I read the Aragon series, too, so it's like, it's so funny when you say like when you, you just mentioned dragons i'm like yeah no i'm all about that and now we're like all in the lore and we're like how do these dragons compare to these dragons so that i know going back to your point i think that's super cute that you were like wait no but like what about him what about this guy what about the dragon i know he like <laughs> he's not evil 
Like, I always, I just like the idea that like anything that's like a monster, like had the reason to become a monster. No one's just a monster. So like, let's, let's go into that. Like, why is he a monster? Like, you know, and maybe he just needs, you know, something to feel better or like a hug. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And then maybe, I don't know. I'm at that age where I'm like, I'm like, yeah, what, what's wrong? Yeah. Screw them. Burn it all down. (laughs) Wait, wait, maybe you're making some sense here. You know, (laughs) I know you're, it's like, the villain you're like hmm like you have a point like humanity yeah. is kind of messed up or like, yeah it's just kind of like you just kind of like maybe don't have the best way of going about it like I don't realize yeah <laughs> like you know you shouldn't yeah it, and then it's like what draws the line right like why are they perceived as a villain it's like well from his point of view you're his villain right it's like it could it could go like so many ways so that's no that's well, like funny. i always yeah, I always try to remember when I'm writing a villain to be like, in the villain's eyes, they're not a villain. Like, so you ha- you can't just, like, a good villain is always, like, you could relate to them because they're never going to just do it because they're evil. Like, you know, like, I mean, they could, but, like, uh, to me, a good villain is, is, like, they really believe in what they're doing. So they have some motivation, like, something yeah. that makes sense to them. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it, I mean, I guess it's like tricky. Well, like for if you're looking at children's stories, like they can't be too sophisticated, right? Yeah. We're, we're growing, we're growing up. Thinking that's like, that's an adult concept. Yeah, exactly. Because you're growing up watching these movies and you're like, good versus evil, like black and white, whatever. But now you're just like, eh, well, the evil queen, she was kind of being threatened a little bit, and she lost her, like, she lost her husband, and now she's got this stepdaughter, and she's, like, got some insecurities, or, like, you know, yeah, I don't know you she's getting kind of, older, exactly, you trying could, to erase her. exactly, like, you could kind of, like, I don't want to say excuse the behavior, but it's explainable, right, like, you can mm-hmm. kind of see, it's like, eh, okay, like, Smog wasn't super evil, and he was just, like, protecting his treasure that he thought that he rightfully stole, like, that he conquered, you know, it's things like that, where it's like, eh, mm-hmm. well, he's not, it's a little more, it's a little more nuanced than that, so it's, totally. You know, that's that's exactly right, and with Race, though, he's like, his, his thing is kind of a little, because he's not, like, defined as evil it's like you kind of gotta get the the just that in the bigger picture is because of these like feuding queens right and and you know unfortunately everybody else gets caught up other people innocent lives get caught up in their feud and poor Wraith he doesn't you know because his whole thing is like he doesn't remember and he's he's only like kind of feeding off of their reactions he don't like the, the memories are that the like how he's perceiving how how people like perceive him he's just getting it from like their what they're saying about him or their reactions mm-hmm. or their facial expressions to his existence so he's kind of like and then w- during his like inner thoughts or his inner monologue not his inner monologue but you know like his point of view he's kind of like well they must think like you know they must think i'm a monster they must think i'm a beast so i guess you know with that explains a lot like he kind of sees himself that way because he's like well i must be this way i even though i don't yeah remember. yeah and that's like it was like part of the heartbreaking part right because you're just like oh no like because at the end of the day with like trying not you know trying to be spoiler free he doesn't he doesn't have any idea like he doesn't he has no yeah idea and like as the reader we know what's in his you know heart or his thoughts and you're like he's not like it's so obvious but like if as to somebody who doesn't you know or who has their 
you know, their life perspective colored by, you know, what they've been told or what they've lived. It's like they see something else. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm trying to like put myself in his position. Like if I had no memory and I'm just like in, you know, being captured and people are seeing these, seeing me and I see their facial expressions or like they're saying things about me. I will probably start to believe it. I'll be like, well, mm-hmm. okay. Like, cause it's like, he doesn't even get to see himself in the mirror, you know, for like another few days. Right. It's like, he has no idea what, and then once he does, he, he, he's, he's like, Oh shit. Like, no wonder people think this way of me, which is like, yeah, no, oh, but you're like, you're like a sweet summer child. Like it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're no, it's like no. no like delete those thoughts delete erase like don't, don't, don't listen to them so this is like a fantasy world a lot of world building um what was like was there any research involved did you kind of uh you know what what were things that maybe you had you needed to look up for like either inspiration or clarification or you know things like that um any anything fascinating or surprising that you learned um i did a lot of research randomly of like geography (laughs) because I was like not expecting like planning out like there's a map in the beginning of the book and like when I actually started being like oh it took them five days to get here and they're gonna be here in a month I was like wait like what what is that distance what does that actually mean like yeah so that was a surprising like thing that I wasn't expecting and then I also did a lot of research um well, I, lo- I live in Montreal, which is like a very circus, like Cirque du Soleil came from Montreal. The whole city oh, is like, cool. it's kind of like circus focused. There's a lot of circus here. So um, I kind of, that's kind of what inspired me to put that in the book in the first place. And then when I started writing it down, I realized it's kind of a mixture of magic and then that like old, you know, the circus era where they would have the like wagons and like, Hmm. Yeah, so I was looking up like old style circus, like um, I forget the name of them, the the, the brothers, famous brothers circus, oh, like uh, Barnum and Bailey, Ringling. Yeah, Brothers. exactly. Yeah. yeah, so I was researching <laughs> stuff like that just to get like the vibe, kind of like because I was. It's kind of like the red striped tent and everything packs into the wagons. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I was like mainly researching that, and then also like learn like planning the cities and like what they actually looked like. Like this, the main city, Allegra, is very like mentally in my head inspired by like Varanasi in India. Um, it's like this really ancient, holy, sacred city, and there's like just these tiny winding streets, and like that there's like all manner of buildings like stacked, and it's just like this crazy, like wild place. And it's like when you're there, you're totally like the streets could disappear and like you yeah. wouldn't know because you know i remember i stayed there the first time i went there i stayed at this guest house and i had to like climb over a pile of rubble to get into the guest house and then like run past a bunch of like monkeys like and so there was like it was like this weird like surreal place so that was kind of loosely like in my head when i thought about allegra and like what i wanted the city to look like that's so cool because i i mean i i what i was reading like your background and stuff and how you like lived in a in a handful of places which i think is super cool and i imagine that just like opens up your not even your worldview in general but like as a writer like just the creativity of like you can be inspired by so many different things that you 
you see places you go. Um, that's so funny, though. I imagine it was just like a little like side quest just to get to where you needed to be. Like, <laughs> that's so. But that, yeah. that, to me, that sounds really cool and fascinating and funny. I think I would just be worried about like maybe not being attacked, but like just being pickpocketed by monkeys. Like, because I'm sure they are like. They, oh yeah. Around, they're used to being around humans. There's probably people tr- using that to their advantage, right? I'm just like they're they're in, they're scary. Like it, <laughs> monkeys in Asia, like you don't mess around. Like some of them will like they'll literally jump on your back and like open your bag and like take stuff out of your backpack. Like they steal like glasses oh off people's like face, <laughs> like right it's, it's, off the face. Oh my god! Yeah, it's scary. Like. Some people are like, ha ha, look at the monkeys. And I'm like, no, like, run yeah. away. Like, this is... Like, this yeah, is don't serious. look them in the eye. Don't like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they know that... Oh, yeah, that that's something that I would definitely be like, oh, fuck, there's another one. Like, <laughs> yeah. You're like, where, like, where, where are my zippers? Where are my bags? Okay, everything's connected. Like, just, I'm going to be wearing contacts all, all day, every day. So, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, like, hold your bag like this, like, yeah, head down. Exactly. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That's so funny. Uh, so I just, I don't know. Yeah. The last trip, last international trip I took might've been, I don't know, Ireland, I think, or Mexico, but like I've been to Mexico a handful of times. Like my, my, uh, my half of my family's in there, um, but Ireland. Yeah. And I am in Italy and I just, the thing that the place that you were describing kind of reminds me of like um, some of the towns in, in Ireland, like where it's just like, they keep that old makeup, that old architecture, the mm-hmm. structure where it's like, it's tr- some of them are like cobblestones and like, you know, tight, tight knit, like merchants and, and buildings and things like that little pub totally. above, like, so, above a bridge. Like you wouldn't really think of it, but it's like yeah. a normal pub. It's just like, whatever. Like we go there for like drinks and a show, you know, and um, like, or like a Venice with, with all the, the canals and like with all the tiny um, narrow streets with the tall structures. I, yeah that's what that reminded me of. It's like, you could, I would be lost if I didn't like, you know, keep track of every single turn I was making. And so, yeah, totally. Like the, yeah. The idea that I got when, um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name right with Malika. Um, yeah. when she was cool. Cause I kept wanting to say Malachi and I was like, Malika, right. Yeah. Malika. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It was, both sound really nice. But yeah, when she was like trying to lead them to that, um, you know, to the pub or whatever, I, I was just like, okay, I can, I can kind of see how, you know, it, this, this could be easily like grounds for like underground, right? Like there's a lot of little nooks and crannies, places that people wouldn't know, like to look unless they knew that was there. Right. It's stuff like that. Yeah. And you kind of have like the way the elementals are kind of like outcasted and that that's kind of like their zone. So it's kind of like this, like they're not like outlaws, but it's kind of this like other society, like operating like fringe society kind of where, you know, the buildings might be kind of ramshackle or like, you know, people are just getting by and they're not worried about, you know, aesthetics or. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it did remind me of a lot of like, you know, cause it, it kind of reminded me of like, I don't know if like, well, it's just a whole wars between the Queens in general. It's just because a lot of a lot of stories will like a lot of concepts and elements of it are like parallel to to what we're dealing with. Right. Or maybe previous stories. And a lot of it like it just, you know, even just the place where like the elementals are kind of shunned and people are like aren't humans aren't crazy about them. Right. They're like 
no <laughs> for, for lack of better words um and it, yeah it just like reminds me of like certain you know, i guess you can draw on you know current events or pop culture or anything like that where it's like totally you know, certain, gr- certain groups of people are facing similar things and it's and yeah i kind of think about like well what do they like that's the place for them like that's a place where yeah they're concerned about you know making their daily living or surviving or just like worrying about their own well-being they're not worried about um like infrastructure or like you know they're not worried about um oh this needs this building needs a remodel it's like this building yeah stay here and because it's radar and yeah (laughs) exactly yeah i think one of the things like one of the like conclusions i kind of wanted to draw or just like illustrate is how you can't lump people in with like their shitty governments or like rulers in this case um because like if you think about like what the humans feel about the elementals is like they hate them because they're related to the queens and the queens are responsible for like all this conflict and poverty and strife and and then meanwhile we're looking at the perspective of the elementals and they're like yeah we kind of hate the queens too like (laughs) but the humans are kind of just putting them you know all in and i think it's like I feel like we have a tendency, like we're talking about drawing parallels. I, it's like we have a tendency to do that in in real the real world, like with people yeah. when we see like conflicts. And it's like you have to remember that like the average citizens are not, you know, in line with what's going on. Absolutely, yeah. And if you know, yeah, we could go down a wormhole. You dive deeper. Yeah. <laughs> who's benefiting from these conflicts? Like what totally. with, the, with the queens in your story, like you know it was like revenge based and it was like some drama and it's you know who's benefiting from that like who's yeah what was the reasoning and and what are they who benefits from this group of people being outcast who benefits from this one sister doing one thing right it's it's kind of like weird to kind of look at it that way but it makes so much sense when you look at the bigger picture because then that's how you start to sympathize with the characters more you know like it's i mean i mean still you know even then you still find these out and you start to sympathize with like even the queens i felt i felt bad for a few of them i was like it's like oh that's you know even like the the they've gone kind of crazy and rage you know vengeful. Yeah. yeah yeah i so felt bad for her too it was like i was like girl like i don't know man like i don't blame you but you shouldn't have roped everybody else into that you did some yeah. fucked up shit like you should and it's yeah. it's like they're so powerful that and they're a little bit entitled like what's yeah. gonna happen if you have like such power like that like absolute power something happens and your heart's broken like how are yeah. you gonna react like you're gonna lash out in a big major way like yeah i feel like the reason more people don't do stuff like that is just because they don't have the power so it's pretty like a human thing yeah. for her to do even if it's Absolutely. like over the top yeah that sense of entitlement is is definitely part of it because it's just mm-hmm. yeah i think that sense of entitlement the bigger that is the more like you know, retaliation that you're going to think about that you're going to feel like the more you know if you're not first with someone who's used to like laying low and not you know kind of just going for scraps they're not going to be pissed if something doesn't go their way or if someone does them wrong because they're just like oh well 
another day in the life. I don't know. <laughs> versus versus yeah. like the queens, so they're gonna be like, "Excuse me, what is this?" No, absolutely not. I'm gonna teach you a lesson, yeah. and yeah. I don't care. You know, I don't care who gets hurt in the process. It's it's yeah. So with uh, you you switch p- points of view like between um race between him and Harrow a little bit. Um, how was your process? Have you done that before where you switched um, points of view in, in your books or was this like the first time and, and how did, you know, how did that process go for you? Actually, yeah, I always write, I always have written like that. Everything I've written has been in third person, like limited point of view. I just, I think the reason originally was because when I started my voracious romance binge about 10 years ago now, all of the books I read were in that point of view. And it just kind of like entered my brain (laughs) as that. And then recently it's only in the last like few years, like first person has become like super popular and like everyone's writing in first person and now like even present tense first person. And like, Mm. at first I was like, and then I realized like, it's not about the tense, like as a reader, I'm like, it's not about the tense. Like if it's well-written, it's well-written. Like now I happily read anything in any tense and any point of view. But for myself, I've just always stuck with writing third person. Like maybe one day I would try to write in first if, you know, if I felt like it. But like, I just really like, there's something about it's like, it's just like the the classic, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I just I <laughs> Yeah, I get that. I guess it depends on the character. It depends on the story. Because like, I, I kind of sometimes ask authors like why, you know, why do you choose first person versus third person, things like that. And yeah, it's like, okay, if, if, if there's a reason that it's okay for them to be like a little detached from you, right? Like people, sometimes if they write in third person, they're like, oh, like, I don't know, they felt so far away. But if you're trying to tell different points of view, that totally makes sense to like, you know, to do third person and because and, you want to bounce back and forth because it's so yeah, and I feel like. Um, I, yeah, I always really like person. doing the, yeah, exactly. I always really like giving the both hero and heroine's perspective. So like, I just, I don't know, for me personally, I just feel like I I can't tell a full story for both characters unless we can find out what they're both going through or both thinking about So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he, yeah, and even if you felt, even if you were trying to write both of them, in first person that's like a whole layer of difficulty that you're challenging yourself with because you gotta make sure they sound different right their thought processes are different you gotta Mm -hmm. you gotta separate that and make sure they're easily distinguishable because i've read books where they do multiple povs but it's it's kind of it wasn't always clear who unless you have like the name of the title of the chapter like it was some of it was just really similar and and it kind of you know, it's, it's like, if you're going to do it, you gotta, yeah, figure it out. And, and actually, and that's something I actually like exploring in third person too, actually is creating a voice for that character, despite the fact that it's technically third person and you're just narrating. Um, and like, so if you have like for Malika is a good example, there's not much of her point of view in that book. I think there's only like one chapter, but I'm working on the second book, which is like her story. Um, and her, her voice tends to be more like, she's a little more like casual and like, she's just blunt. So like, even though we're narrating like third person, when I write 
in her POV, I'm still like, like she swears more and like she might swear in her thoughts or like make like kind of observations Whereas like Harrow is a lot more compassionate. So like when I write her perspective, I would tend to put more like, she might be like, oh, I, this, this was a terrible thing, but at least I could understand, you know, cause she tends to empathize more. And then like Wraith, it's like, he would be like, this guy did this and like, he wanted to kill him or yeah. something. You know? <laughs> I know exactly. Just like, well, I, I love his point of view. He's just like, He's just so matter of fact. Like, yeah, like he was born yesterday. He's just like, what do you mean yeah. I can't kill this person? Like, what? Like, what? why not? Like, yeah, he's annoying. Like, he was like, 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 as soon as I get out of this cage, I'm gonna whoever's nearest to me is gonna get it. Like, <laughs> and that's just what he gravitates to. I mean, obviously, if you were in a cage, I understand, but it's he's just he's just ready. Like, <laughs> he doesn't understand well. Obviously, it's like you don't have to kill everyone who's done you wrong. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I really love that scene where Harrow is like, "You can't just kill." People. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, "Why not?" Like, yeah, he like, like blinks at her, like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "No, stop it!" And he's just like, "Oh, what?" Like, <laughs> that's so funny. No, I I adore their their relationship. Um, even though like. It was kind of like, you know, it was like quick, you know, but we love those tropes, right? We love the romance tropes where it's just like there's that that connection, that, that, that you know, chemistry where they're drawn to each other and they don't necessarily know why. Um, but I just like forewarning to readers, there's a little, I don't know if I want to call it smut, but there's like on the page sex scenes and I don't, I like them. I don't care. But some people are like, I didn't realize it was so, there were actual readers who were like, oh like where are the sex scenes can i just skim past them and i'm just like it's like no when's the next one i'm kind of like okay let's hear it was like what's ooh, they're gonna be together again okay let's you know <laughs> it's just like it depends on like if it if it advances the plot obviously that's great but if not it's kind of like yeah you want to make sure there's a purpose there but i think it's any romance reading either any romance lovers like we just eat that shit up we just like we love it and so that's why it's like yeah. the romance part of it was just so like adorable and wholesome where she i mean besides like the, the dark complicated shit just like for them when they were like <laughs> you know she kind of had to teach him like okay no we could do this or we can't do that or no you can't you can't go you can't you have to stay in here you can't leave the room like you can't like don't you <laughs> do you understand the concepts of like we're in hiding until <laughs> it's okay like it's yeah it, i just i appreciate those little parts where where you know you could see him it's like that softer side of him too where yeah like he's i know and he tries guy. so hard like he really tries it's like, yeah <laughs> yeah just like he's almost yeah he's almost like i would say he's almost the perfect mate except for like his you know complicated baggage because he's just he's he's open he's open-minded he listens to her he like <laughs> he's just open-minded for the most part I mean, obviously he's got bigger fish to fry but he's like he's open to listening he's he's open to reason he listens you know and it's just things like that where we're just kind of like I, I i also love how one of my favorite parts is just like when you're putting your characters through like especially someone as ruthless and like deadly as him you put him in a situation that he's like totally out of his element right where he's just like he might be made really uncomfortable or like putting him in a new situation and i don't know i just love um 
when you kind of throw them when you throw them off their game, you throw them for a loop, and they're like you kind of figure out how they're gonna how they react to that, how they respond in those situations. I just think those are probably more fun, more fun to totally <laughs> like when he's like in um the, when Malika's like take this heavy bag, and he's like holding the bag trying to like fit in her trailer like he's like what's going on like i was trying to go fill that guy like <laughs> yeah they're like okay well you're right okay just go sit out there then <laughs> like what now like okay like yeah because he doesn't have any like you know he hasn't really taken the initiative because he doesn't know what the hell he's doing right he doesn't yeah know. <laughs> so like oh yeah i'll just go wait outside no he's like literally matter of fact taking it like at face value like just <laughs> yeah and then when he does take initiative it's like the wrong the wrong thing yeah he's like, <laughs> like what are you doing that everyone's like right no like no. <laughs> <laughs> what those are the most challenging parts to write and then what were the most enjoyable parts to write challenging i think I think this kind of goes back to like, like I was saying, working with Molly and like my editor, she did such an awesome job of getting me to like, if I had a character on the page that was acting a certain way, anyone, she'd be like, why? Like, why are they doing that? And I'd be like, well, I don't know. Like, <laughs> they just are. That's how they are. And she'd be like, let's go into that. So like, that was a, a process that took a lot of thought and like a lot of tweaking minor tweaking just to like be like if someone's does something like their motivation like what's their motivation and like to really like know that inside and out like to the point where like if i had to i could go write a side story about every single person in that book because i like figured out in great detail exactly why they're there what they're doing why they're motivated so that was definitely a big challenge but it also was one of my favorite parts too because it was it's just like, it's how I want to, it's like, I, I want to do the service to the characters. Like they deserve to be like fleshed out that way. And yeah, I think for the funnest parts to write, we're probably, I always love writing like fun character interactions. This, like my other paranormal series is like a little bit more like funny. So like, there's a lot of like banter. Um, and this one has a lot, a lot more, it's just a bit like heavier. It's a bit deeper, but I still love those like lighthearted moments, like with like Harrow and Malika or just like when people, just whenever there's two characters that like sit down to talk and have a conversation, like those are always my favorite parts to write. Cause I feel like I just like, I'm like a fly in the wall, like just trying to like yeah. capture their, they're actually there doing it. And I'm just like, you know, the scribe or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I know. Yeah, exactly. Be a fly on the wall. I know. And I, I love that how, um, you know, you bring up a good point about really figuring out all the characters' backstories, even though maybe 10% of that makes it in, in the story. Because it's like, yeah, you have to figure out what their background is, what their motivations are, like everything. And it is like, you know, tip of the iceberg or like the the duck floating on water. I don't know where it's like, you know, everything's calm and everything's there. But then under the surface, there's like a whole lot more going on. You know, it's like there's so much there's so much more that goes into it. And I imagine I just imagine writers with like multiple like plot lines or like with multiple characters, like complicated characters, just like having post-its everywhere, <laughs> like like a mood board, just like trying to attach everything and, and seeing how everything fits in because yeah, it's and like I love that now because I think Salazar he could have like a whole 
side story of his own or i want to know his origin story like because he's kind of terrifying but he's like a little he kind of you know readers kind of eventually notice or realize that he kind of had to be he kind of has to be and it's a like like that whole complicated like yeah he, he might be seen as like this cruel you know ringleader like or even like you know slave master so to speak but you know under the surface read, readers find out like he has a reason and if he wasn't doing the things he was doing um there would be like a lot like people's lives would be a lot more difficult yeah it's kind of like the circumstances kind of force him to be ruthless like he is and it's like you know whether or not he likes it or wants to be that way it's kind of like he's the man for the job because like if you're not that it's like it's not gonna work you know he's and like speaking of being justified like as far as he knows what he's doing is the only way to make it work and like he has the proof that it's been working you know the circus is going strong for years so he's like you know, if you know a better way, like, let me know. But, like, no one else is doing this, so. Yeah, and he's, like, yeah, especially with his connections and stuff, he's, like, you know, he... Because he, I just love, like, because you, you see his confidence, but then when later you learn why, he's, like, just... He walks around with, like, this knowing, like, you know, like, there's something more there that he knows things that he's not sharing with people. And it's, it's like, then you realize later, like, well, yeah, like he does, he's kind of on his own, like, not like secret mission almost, but you know, it's just his ongoing, like, which also aids to his motivations, right? Like what, what are his tasks? What are things that he always has to be mindful of? And why does he, why does he act the way that he acts towards, you know, his interactions and everything? Um, it's because he's like, yeah, he, you kind of understand oh, it's because of your connections or because you have responsibilities that nobody else either can or needs to know about. You know, it's like, which I, I enjoyed learning. Yeah, like I said, he can, you could write a whole like short story series for him alone because he's, he's, I imagine he's got a, quite a few adventures um, before before readers meet him for sure. Totally. And yeah, I definitely plan to, explore his character more in the later books too i have plans yeah nice (laughs) yay um so just a couple more questions before we wrap up here so uh what do you hope readers get out of this story um yeah i wrote like i said before it's it's a story of um like redemption and forgiveness and i think that was the main kind of theme is like the balance you know the contrasting elements fire and water and they're coming together in balance and also like it's there is a lot of pain and hurt in the past and like just like the act of forgiveness is such a big part of this and like stepping outside of the of the you know the narrative of the the war and what people are told to believe about other people and like who's evil and who's and it's like it, you know the characters are like choosing what they believe in and what what their truth is kind of and um yeah i just really i wanted their love story to be kind of like like just like an epic thing like them against you know the world like the whole all these forces that like we're trying to make them hate each other and make them you know even kill each other and like stay apart and like um but then like the way that they came together despite everything 
Yeah. Yeah. I, that's why I was like, it's almost, you know, I don't know. It wasn't like a, a Romeo and Juliet story per se, but it is, it is not like, it's kind of like, are they enemies or are they not? Like what's going on here? Like, and then it was readers start to piece together and then we're kind of just waiting for the shoe to drop. Right. We're like, Oh God. Like, <laughs> yeah. And Harrow's instincts are such a big part of her, her character. Like her, she, tr she trusts in her, her powers so much to guide her and so for her to go through this whole thing where she's like doubting herself and like even her instincts are like, this is, you know, blink, blink, blink. And she's like, yeah. shut up, like, yeah. go away. I don't want to hear it because she's like so hurt by, yeah, like everything that's happened to her. So like her coming and then coming back into her power at the end of the book and like finding finding her balance again and, and listening to her in her voice and her power. Yeah. Yeah, ex exactly. Um, oh, another character that I think that, I wanted more of was what was <laughs> the oracle <laughs> oh Nishira Nishira yeah, yeah I was like I want more of her she was hilarious and it was really funny the characters were kind of trying to warn them like uh just has a she kind of talks weird but I don't really know why like I think this is how her brain works but like I don't know I just I just liked her overall because, yeah, like, someone who, who has that, like, mysterious ability to, you know, see past, present, and future at the same time, I would be the same way, too. Like, oh, it's, it's going to be okay. They're like, what do you mean? Like, what? <laughs> and then she's like, no, it's, well, it's, it's, it's going to be too late tomorrow, but it's not too late today. You're like, what the fuck is yeah. talking about? <laughs> but, like, at the same time, you're like, no, like, I kind of get it. Like, it kind of makes yeah. sense. Like, yeah, absolutely. but like, no, I I, I yeah. liked her. She was definitely like a like a, 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 a like a welcome levity, right? And like a welcome, yeah. welcome kooky little. Okay, is she gonna be helpful? Like what? <laughs> You're gonna get exactly. I know. I, I feel like I could just I could I could have tea with her for eight hours for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like what's up? <laughs> um, so, what advice would you give to Harrow? What advice would you give to Raid? Oh, that's so fun. Well, I think I kind of said it like earlier, like I would tell her, I would be like her, the voice of her mother, like always listen to your intuition, trust in your, you know, in this, in this story, her intuition is like her power, the water, like trust in that. And like, it will always guide you. Like, don't, don't listen to, you know, what other people say and, you know, don't get caught up in, you know, the past or whatever. And for Wraith, I guess I would... I just want to like give him a hug and tell him that he's he's worthy and he's worthy of love and he deserves to be happy. Yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> like I know this is gonna suck, but it's gonna be fine. Like <laughs> yeah, totally, it'll be worth uh, it in the end. Like trust right, absolutely, absolutely. So what? You kind of mentioned this earlier. So, um, yeah, what's next? What are you working on that, that you could talk about? What can readers expect that you're allowed to talk about? Um, yeah, I'm writing. Well, it's kind of technically written, I'm, but it's like in its very chunky, rough form. The second book, which is going to be Malika's story. Um, and we get like a little snippet of like her backstory in book one. So that's going to be like the, the primary focus of the second book. Um, and yeah, that's, I, I have no idea when it'll be done or any kind of due date, but that's, that's what I'm currently working on. 
Yeah. Now, is that going to be like a true sequel or is it going to be like a standalone where readers can read it without having to read the first one? Or you haven't, you're still trying to figure it out? Yeah, it's kind of like the the vision I have for this series is like there are technically like the romance genre, they're considered standalones because at the end of the book, the couple gets their like happily ever after. So like that couple, Harrow and Wraith, their story is kind of that's the end for them. And the next book will be Malika and her partner's story and that they will have their happy ending at the end of that book. But, like, the books are all going to be connected by, like, the, like, overarching sort of conflict of the queens and the world and, like, all the stuff that's going on. So it's, like, in a sense, they're, it's, like, unfinished and, like, you need to read it in order. But if, you, if like, if you're just wanting, like, that couple's story, like, you could also, you know, and, I, and like, I, it's kind of like, um, you know, like, in Harry Potter, how it'll be, like, the start of each book, she'll be, like last year harry had like and you're like i know this i just read it but like (laughs) you know you gotta like recap it because like there might be new people or like you know so it's kind of like that like it's gonna cover like what happened in the first book but it's meant to be like a connection cool yeah because i could see where you could like almost it does make sense to kind of focus on her um but yeah i guess it like you could almost yeah you want you want to figure out how you're going to deliver her story right and yeah and how yeah yeah and like harrow and wraith like their story's not like done like it's not like oh they're gone like they're still a big part of it but like um the major the major telling of their story is in that is in this book book one yeah yeah definitely uh aurora asher uh where can we find you online and on social media yeah i have pretty much everything like all the all the platforms i'm most active on instagram which is like aurora asher author with like periods in between i also have a mailing list and a patreon um and my everything's on my website which is just my name.com and the, oh, there's Perfect. all the links and everything yeah yeah solid yeah well um i'll make sure to include that in the show notes too so everybody can they have it there if they want to go find you for sure. Um, okay, Great. so Aurora Asher, Street of the Shadow, that comes out on January 9th. Um, thank you so much. It was such a fun conversation. Like I said, I really appreciated meeting Harrow and Wraith and and the, and the world you built. And yeah, I'm I'm excited for Malika's story. And um, feel free to come back if you want to chat about her. Awesome. That's great. Thank you so much. And there you go. That was Aurora Asher talking about Sanctuary of the Shadow. That book comes out January 9th. Go ahead and check out the show notes to find links on where to find her on social media and where you can purchase the book. Rate, review, subscribe. Go ahead while you're searching those social media sites. Go ahead and find Cantina Book Club and give us a follow as well. Um, Subscribe to uh, the podcast as well so that you never miss a beat. If you need any book recommendations, check out my book reviews on cantinabookclub.com. And if you find any that you like, go ahead and on over to book reads at amazon and give them a reading and a review it really does help the authors out Um, and as always thank you guys so much for listening